Welcome back to Rabbit Hole Happy Hour. I'm Ashley. And I'm Mallory. And we have a guest with us today, Barry the Kitty Cat. Yep, you're probably going to hear her rustling around in the background because she's really curious about everything, even though she's lived here for years. (laughs) And she's ultra affectionate tonight. Yes, she wants pets all the time. But we love it. Anywho... Uh, how have you been, Mallory? <laughs> I already know the answer to do that. You, do you want to ask me that question? Um, in a rage. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just had a really stressful day today. Woke up late. Had, Hi. you know, to relieve somebody at work, so I had to make them stay late at oh, work. Oh, no. And I wore the same clothes that I was sleeping in to work, except for I put on jeans. Oh my god. <laughs> and my hair is so greasy, I could probably cook with it. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, the workload at work was just insane. There was just uh, like too many people dying today. Oh no. Or not today, but yesterday, really mostly. I had a murder suicide today. Oh my god. Yeah, I was like, oh my god. So I had to do two cases at once on that one. Oh no. And then I worked 12 hours and we're supposed to record an hour after I got off work. And I was, I texted Ashley. I was like, I can't, I I need 30 more minutes (laughs) to make it. And so I was like, no problem. I'm just going to swing by Wendy's and get my favorite spicy chicken sandwich with cheese only. (laughs) And I also look like pure garbage, but the girl at Wendy's said she Mm -hmm. liked my hair. And it was in a bun, and I was just kind of confused, but okay. It's <laughs> really funny. Oh my God. I was very confused. I was just like, uh, okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> Not even a thank you. Thank oh you. So weird. Well, today I went to the aquarium with my little baby boy and my sister, which was fun. And after that, me and my son slept for three hours, which was also fun. Yeah, I'm so jealous. I would like to sleep for three hours. I'm trying to think of anything else new. Nothing much, really. We have, ooh, Barry almost knocked over a vase. <laughs> oh, my God. And then I almost knocked over my drink. Tomorrow's Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. Well, well as we're recording this, tomorrow's Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to any little mamas out there that listen to us. <laughs> little mamas. <laughs> little mamas. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh, and also thank you to everyone who's reached out and left us nice comments and reviews recently. Yes. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Um, Every time we get something that pops up, we screenshot it and send it to each other. And yeah, (laughs) it literally just makes us more motivated. Yeah, Um, it does. It's like, like I said this before, it's like a drug. You're like, oh, yes. Because I think recently we didn't get any like bad reviews as in like star ratings really but someone wrote something that rubbed me the wrong well it didn't rub rub me the wrong way but like I was like oh no yeah but I have opinions about that yeah (laughs) I do too and I think it just comes with the territory of putting yourself out there and it shouldn't um, dissuade dissuade you from doing what you like to do right um and one thing we did get some feedback on the laugh volume Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys. Yeah, Mallory's <laughs> very joyous. Literally 
you're raping you for <laughs> like yeah however many weeks now i think the sound quality will be a work in progress it definitely will but in the last episode i hope it was better because i tried to equalize all the laughter to the normal speaking level so <laughs> i hope i didn't kill anyone anywho so there's some good news as far as like case updates oh yeah Lori Daybell, I don't know, it depends on what you believe, I guess, but Lori Daybell um, is facing the death penalty if convicted. Yeah, that's crazy. And I really don't have any opinions on the death penalty one way or the other, but yeah. if anyone were to get it, Lori Daybell should be the one. Also her husband. She killed her own children. Yeah, she killed her own children and her spouse's wife, potentially. Yeah. And yeah. her brother, maybe. And her brother, maybe. And, and her ex-husband, maybe. Yes. Although she's not being tried for either of those. No, she's not. I think Chad is only being tried for his wife, right? Oh, I have no idea. Is he? Maybe I'm wrong about that. I have no idea. Also, I'm not ever going to call Lori, Lori Vallow anymore because I don't feel like the Vallow name should be drugged through the mud. I agree. The subreddit is called Lori Vallow, but she's... Yeah, Vallow, Charles Vallow was a good guy. Yeah, so I don't think their name should be attached to her. So it's Lori Daybell for me. Yeah, I agree. Another thing that we've been obsessed with recently... Oh my God, dude. <laughs> ...is the Casey White and Vicky White incident. Yeah, this is nuts. Like, I was having a hard time writing my story for this week because I couldn't stop reading about this freaking well, case. Let's just talk about it because okay. it's been occupying most of my thoughts. For <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what do we know about Vicki White? She was a law enforcement or she was either a deputy or assistant director of like correctional officers or something mm-hmm. like that. And well-respected. Yeah. And I'm not too clear on how the whole thing with Casey started because well, we need to let them know what we're talking about. Okay. So, okay. Oh yeah. This took place in, I think it was called Florence, Alabama. Mm-hmm. So Vicki white was like a corrections officer deputy yeah. situation. And, um, one of her inmates, she claimed had a mental health appointment yes. or something. So she An was, exam. she was going to be transporting him to that and they never returned. They went mm-hmm. missing. So it's weird. Both of their last names are white, but there's no relation. They're not like yeah, related in any way. But Casey White, he's like 6'9". He's so tall. He's one of those big, huge killer dudes that yeah. we always talk about. <laughs> and she's the opposite. She's very, very short. Mm-hmm. So I can't believe they haven't found them yet. I can't either. This seems like it's either really well-planned or they got really lucky in the beginning to gain time ahead of the cops, you know? Well, initially they thought that he had just like somehow subdued her and like escaped and like maybe killed her or something. But the more we found out, the more it's clear that this was planned. Yes. So Vicky apparently had just announced her retirement and also sold her home for under $100,000, which is way below the asking So we also found out that he didn't even have an appointment scheduled. Mm -hmm. She did have an appointment scheduled after, but she never went to it, obviously. It was like a doctor's appointment, Yeah, something like that. They found the car. Yes. Did you see that? I saw that. They found the car. It was in Tennessee. It looked like Franklin, Tennessee, kind of outside of Nashville. Yeah, I think it was like 
in the woods somewhere. Right? Yes, somewhere rural. It got impounded, but it was impounded right. for days. Yeah. Did you see the pictures? I saw that they had spray painted yeah. it. Okay. Not all of it, though. <laughs> they, they tried to pull a Scooby-Doo yeah. on everyone. And they spray paint. They tried to spray paint it like this green color. And then I guess they just gave up. And they're like, let's just get out of here. Yeah. Well, everyone on Reddit is like, what if that's a plant? And they had another car stashed somewhere. And that one was to make it look like they just, you know, gave up and are somewhere nearby running, you know. Mm. But I don't know if I give them that much credit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like. Maybe her, but him, no. Yeah. I saw this video of him where he was in like a standoff with the police. Oh my. And he was he was really emotional, but he sounded like not maybe it was just because he was really emotional, but not like all there. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's scary. He's a convicted murderer, by the way. Yes. He had killed a woman. He was found guilty of killing a woman, Connie Ridgeway, mm-hmm. I think is her name. He also had told his ex-girlfriend and her sister in 2015 that if he were to ever get out of prison, he would find her and kill her, both of them. Oh, my God, yeah. So they're being watched after, thankfully. Oh, good. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Oh, my God. That's really all I know. But it's kind of close to us, you know? Yeah, I know, because I'm like, ooh, am I going to see them driving down the road? I know. (laughs) Well, somebody keeps talking about how it's likely that they're using a wheelchair and a wig for Casey to be disguised. And I don't know where anybody got that from, but well, I that would be a good that. way to disguise his height. Yes, for sure. Exactly. And of course, masks, people are still wearing masks. So mm-hmm. that's also to their benefit. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm like, did they make it out of the country somehow? I don't know how they I could. Don't, but... I don't think so yet. But I did hear, did you watch the press conference yesterday? I didn't, no. They said that Vicky used an alias to buy that car. So That's she weird. has like several aliases apparently. Is that normal? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I saw that she had aliases and I was just like, the fuck? Yeah, it's crazy. So um, yeah, that, it's um, a developing story. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what happens. I cannot um, wait either. I really, I hope that one or both of them doesn't end up dead. Yeah. Because apparently Casey is not okay off of his medication. Also, he's not afraid of being killed by the police, apparently. No, apparently. He told his ex-girlfriend that he would he wanted to go out being killed by the police. Oh, God. So. So I'm a little scared for Vicky. Even if she is a part of this, she may not really realize what she's getting herself into. Right. Holy shit. But they had said that they were in a relationship, right? I didn't see anything about that, but that's what people are assuming. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Have you read something more about that? I I don't know if it was, um, I don't know. I'll leave that as speculation for now because I'm not entirely sure I think that's I saw that, but. what people have been just like assuming because why else would you do this unless you were like oh. romantically involved? Well, oh. she bought lingerie like the day before. <gasps> oh. She bought lingerie and, <laughs> and like stayed at a hotel or something. Like the day, it was either the day before or the night of. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, have you seen his tattoos? Yes, he's a huge white supremacist, which Uh, is also horrible. Yeah. And people are also speculating that because his brother has been missing for like five years or something. And he was apparently a part of a gang. And they're like, oh, what if he's like, yeah, what if he's in touch with his brother? And Uh, the speculations always run wild on the internet, you know? Yeah. 
I don't think they're they're smart enough to. I kind of lean that way too. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't think the spray paint was a ruse. No, I think, I think they were thinking a, they were going to change yeah. the color of the car. Yeah, and they probably had like two cans. <laughs> like how did like how did they pick that color? It was not a normal car color. It was like a I don't a know very beautiful green shade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but anyway. anyway. So, what are we drinking tonight, Mallory? Oh yeah, so we're drinking a Black Widow. Ooh. Do you know what a Black Widow is? Yeah. In terms of a human, not a spider. <laughs> Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. All right. It's a husband killer. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so it's called a Black Widow. It's one and a half ounces of, what do you call it? Tequila. Tequila. But the white kind. Blanco? (laughs) Blanco. The white kind. Blanco? Blanco. Tequila. Taquala. (laughs) Quesadilla. And then it has, well, first you're supposed to muddle two blackberries mm-hmm. and then you put in the tequila then you put in a teaspoon of agave nectar and then you put in an ounce of lime juice freshly squeezed mm-hmm. and you're supposed to also put in muddled basil leaves. oh yeah you're supposed to but but guess what i did <laughs> i went to the grocery store to buy basil and i left with cilantro <laughs> And it wasn't that she thought the basil plant was cilantro, or cilantro plant was basil. No, she I, got like the pre, yeah, the little container. So it's basically just green. I know what basil and cilantro look like, <laughs> but they didn't have the actual leaves. So I was just going to try it with this other crap that I found there. And they had basil and cilantro right next to each other in the same package. So it's anyway. okay. It's delicious as is. It is good. It's like a margarita, basically. Yeah, it's like a um, a very fancy margarita. Yeah. So, yeah, should I get into it? Yeah, let's go. All right. On May 5th, 2004, an odd discovery was made in Virginia Beach. And for those that don't know, Virginia Beach is in Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) Early in the morning, a couple of fishermen named Don Connors and Chris Hinkle decided to keep their kids out of school for a fishing trip. They were going to be doing some fishing in the Chesapeake Bay. And suddenly, one of them notices that a suitcase is floating by. Never a good sign. Yeah, just weird. It's like, is there a plane crash in the water? Or oh, like... yeah. <laughs> or Chris... <laughs> a drug deal go bad? Or right. Like a suitcase like of a, money? Or like bricks of cocaine or something. <laughs> so Chris Hinkle said that he immediately thought, oh, well, it probably blew off a car or like off a luggage rack or something. Cause there's like a bridge, there's like bridges and crap over there too. So he initially didn't really think too much of it. So Don and his son started reaching over to try and pull it into the boat. Cause it got close enough oh, wow. to the boat. And so Chris stopped the boat cause they were obviously trying to get it in. And since it had some weight to it, he started helping them pull it in. So it was pretty heavy. Mm -hmm. It was a dark green Kenneth Cole suitcase that was in pretty good condition. So they get the suitcase on board and one of the little boys is like really excited to open it. Oh no. He found buried treasure. (gasps) Oh fuck. Once they open the suitcase, they see that whatever is actually inside is covered in a black trash bag. Oh no. This is when Chris started getting nervous. So he like turned to say something to his friend, and while he's turned, the boy reaches down and rips open the trash bag. Oh no! Which reveals a set of human legs. <gasps> what? 
Oh, Mallory just... Sh- it's <laughs> Sorry, just- graphic image alert. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> That's a set of it's human legs. Do you see how fresh they look? Yes. They look just like somebody's legs. I know. Like a normal it's not a gru- person. It's not gruesome at all. It's just... Mm-mm. Oh, my God. So, yeah, they were obviously a pair of male human legs. Very fresh. Didn't even smell, they said. Oh, my God. Yeah. But, of course, as anyone would. What did the boy do? They all recoiled in horror. I don't know anything past that. (laughs) That's a quote from an interview. Recoiled in horror. Another direct quote from Chris. He was kind of like a funny, just like Southern guy. Mm -hmm. He, He said... I looked down and I said, oh my gracious. <laughs> I just hadn't heard, oh my gracious. Oh my gracious. Oh my gracious. So Chris closed the bag back up and dialed 911. After the initial shock of finding the suitcase hit the public, everyone wanted to know who the man in the suitcase was. They also determined that the suitcase was part of a set. So the police were thinking, okay, there might be other suitcases out there with other body parts. So it was just legs? It was just legs. Oh, no. Yeah. On May 11th, 2004, six days later, a student was on Fisherman's Island in the middle of the Chesapeake Bay, which is a nature preserve. She saw a dark green Kenneth Cole suitcase. She was curious as to what was inside, so she opened it up, finding a black trash bag inside. Hmm. She started to pull the trash bag back, but there was such a strong odor of decomposition that she stopped immediately and called 911, notified the authorities. Wow, she saved herself some real distress. I mean, even if it was like a dog or something, it would be Mm -hmm. disturbing. Yeah. The suitcase was taken to the medical examiner's office, which is where the authorities actually got to view what the contents of the suitcase were. In this suitcase was the torso and the head of a male human. The torso was still attached to the arms and attached to the head. The head was wrapped in what looked like a medical or hospital blanket of some sort. Like, I don't know, like those blankets that have like the hospital logo or, you know, something on it. The face was somewhat identifiable, but because it had been submerged for a while, it was extremely bloated. Ugh. Have you ever seen a body that has been submerged in water before? No. It's grotesque. I have never been so creeped out in my entire life. Oh, my God. They look like demons. Why have you? Because of work. You have to see it? <laughs> when I was doing chart reviews, they would send pictures of the body. Oh, my God, I've Mallory. love stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Why are you laughing? No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> this is my way to cope with it. Yes, I'm just joking. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's really scary. It looks horrifying. Yeah, so they're basically unrecognizable. Yeah, they said it looked somewhat identifiable, but, I mean, I don't know. Ew. Maybe, well, no, it had been six days, so he was in there for a while. Anyway, I don't know. The man appeared to actually have been shot multiple times. There were a couple of gunshot wounds in the torso area and one through the head. Two bullets were recovered from the body. They were a type called wad cutter bullets. W-A-D-C-U-T-T-E-R. Wad cutter bullets are not typically used like in hunting or like 
by the average person, really. They're kind of like just used for target practice. Oh, okay. So they're very specific. The story became huge in the news again after the second suitcase was found. And of course, everybody was curious as to where the rest of the body was going to turn up. So we got legs and we got a torso. Now, the legs were cut off at the knee. Okay. So we're still missing the bottom the part. thighs <laughs> and the buttocks. Yeah, okay. On May 16th, 2004, 11 days after the initial suitcase was found, a third suitcase was located. Another fisherman found this one as well. The suitcase was floating in the water where he was fishing, and this one had, like, algae growth on it and just, like, nasty from floating in the water for so long. Mm -hmm. And this was the suitcase that contained the pelvis down to above the knees. Man. So, meanwhile, police are checking, like, every avenue possible to try and identify the guy, they were checking naval databases, like, because there's a lot of naval bases or something in the area, and, like, just anything they could find or try to find. So they eventually, as, you know, is normal, they commissioned a sketch and released it to the media. Oh, God. That's just probably how he looked after being submerged, though, right? Yes. So I think his head is bloated in this picture. So on May 21st, 2004... A woman named Sue Rice was getting out of the shower and drying off when she saw the sketch on TV. She thought immediately that it looked like her and her husband John's good friend, Bill McGuire. Bill and John had been friends since their early Navy days. Bill and his wife, Melanie, were close with the Rices for a long time and had vacationed together and everything. I think it had been like 20 plus years they'd known each other. Wow. Sue calls John and asks him to take a look at the photo. John sees it, and initially he's just not, like, totally convinced that it's Bill. But Sue is very convinced and asks John to please call Crime Stoppers. Um, Was he missing or something? Yes. So oh. John calls because he thought, well, maybe it could be Bill because Bill is missing right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because I was like, why does she think it's this friend of theirs? Like, out just of nowhere. Random, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, my been, God. Like, a, I don't even know how I long. do see the resemblance. Yeah, in this photo, yeah. So John had actually gotten a call one day from Bill's sister saying that Bill and Melanie had gotten in a fight, and Bill left and had not been heard from. Melanie said that Bill would often make threats like this, but this time he didn't come back. So John and Sue eventually agreed to come down to the police department and view some photos. They had to look at the photos of him. Oh, no. Yeah. Bill had a red mark on his face near one of his eyes, and so did the man that was found in the suitcases. It's like a birthmark or something? I think so. That's mm -hmm. kind of what it looks like, just like one of those faint yeah. red birthmark things. Sue kept zoning in on that when she viewed the photos. She had known him for 22 years after all. She was certain that this was Bill. Now that police had a name, they ran him through the database and found that he had been arrested in Virginia for a reckless driving charge in the 1980s. So his fingerprints were on file. Mm -hmm. So they're very quickly able to confirm that the fingerprints matched the man in the suitcases. Oh, and the man is identified as 39-year-old Bill McGuire of Woodbridge, New Jersey. So according to Melanie, at this point, she just thinks her husband is missing. But the police delivered the news to Melanie that her husband was dead. Did she file like a missing persons report? Or just said... She did not. So she just thought like he took off and... Yeah. So I'm going to get into that a little bit more uh -huh. and you'll see kind of like what she 
says she thought. <laughs> do, do we know how long he had been gone? Yes. At this point, when the suitcases were found, it had been almost a month. Oh, my God. Yeah. What? Okay. Almost a month. Weird. And, well, anyway, I'll go into this a little bit more, so I'll, okay. I'll give you details. But So, Melanie and Bill lived in Woodbridge, New Jersey. Melanie was born and raised in New Jersey, and... According to everybody that knows her, she's an amazing daughter, mother, amazing friend, full of life, fun-loving. In her mom's own words, she was a good girl, never in trouble, and she was always known for trying to help people. Melanie and Bill met while working at a serving job together at a restaurant. Bill was known as the, quote, rude waiter because he would speed people up in a playful way and people loved it. <laughs> people would ask for the rude waiter. <laughs> oh. Um, He's handsome. I know. Isn't this picture so cute? Of yeah. Him? Melanie describes Bill as funny, clever, and had a big heart when he wanted to. She said he wanted to, and I thought that was a little weird. <laughs> but anyway, friends describe him as a very loyal and just an amazing friend. Melanie was a fertility nurse. She was working with women who were going through really tough times trying to get pregnant. She was very caring, compassionate, nurturing. All her patients really loved her. Melanie states about herself that she was a total type A personality and that she was not going to be okay with anything less than like the total comfort of her patients. That's good. Bill and Melanie seemed like a match made in heaven. They shared a sense of humor, very quick-witted. They're both New Jersey people, so mm-hmm. they're like, you know, snarky kind of. Yeah. I guess that's, I don't know if that's the right word, but. Brash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill was crazy about Melanie. They were very in love in the beginning. However, things devolved and they kind of had a tumultuous relationship after that. Mm. They would break up and get back together. There were even infidelities and they oh, would wow. fight a lot. But eventually, in 1999, Bill and Melanie got married. Bill got a $65,000 a year job at the New Jersey Institute of Technology, and they settled into a rented townhouse in Woodbridge, New Jersey, and they had a baby. They were both happy new parents, but then things changed drastically. Bill, at least according to some, had a dual personality. He could Mm. be very likable, but on the other hand, could be very calculating and manipulative. Narcissistic. Maybe, yeah. Bill also had a gambling problem. Uh Uh-oh. He would go through periods where he would go to Atlantic City a lot, and Melanie wouldn't hear from him for, like, days, and she wouldn't know what was going on. Unacceptable. It's absolutely unacceptable. So she said she put her foot down several times, told him, you know, you can't do this anymore, and then he would just get involved with the stock market. Like, he would find ways to keep doing it. She said he wanted what he wanted, and he couldn't get it fast enough which caused frustration for him that was eventually directed at Melanie. One particular argument over the phone happened when he had gotten stopped for a traffic ticket, which, if you remember, he has kind of a horrible driving record. Yeah. (laughs) So Melanie started to argue with him, and he said to her, when I get home, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to smash your face in. Oh, shit. Melanie actually got in the car and left that night, but she eventually came back. So, in June 2001, the Maguires were already married for a few years, and even though there was some friction in the marriage, putting it lightly, I feel like, yeah, <laughs> they decided to have another child. Oh, wow. 
Little did Bill know just how ill-timed this pregnancy was. Melanie was about to have their second kid, but she had a secret. She was having an affair with a doctor from her fertility clinic named Brad Miller. Ooh, spicy. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. No offense. No Oops. offense. What am I doing? Wait, nope, you uh, can't be offensive. Uh, uh. <laughs> can't speak ill of people's looks on this podcast. No, you cannot. I'm sorry. There's a visual here, and I'm trying to... Maybe he's very nice. Uh, why are people allowed to have opinions? Damn it. Yeah. God damn it, people. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, I have opinions. I have opinions, and I want to express them, and this is my podcast. <laughs> anyway. So... She's having an affair. Yes. And pregnant. So, whoops. Whoopsies. So, Melanie said that before they started actually getting into having an affair, Brad was really kind to her. He would do things for her, like buy her lunch and have it waiting on her desk. And then when Melanie was about 38 weeks pregnant, she she said that she mentioned to Brad that she had a pinched nerve in her neck and he started rubbing her back. And she was talking about this in the interview and she was just like all smiles and like she just was. Did the affair start when she was pregnant or before? I think it was when she was pregnant. Actually. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And actually it seemed like after she returned from maternity leave, it actually turned into like full blown affair. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a scumbag. I mean, both of them. Well, yeah, they were both married with young kids too. Oh my God. Yeah. But they seem to be falling in love with each other. Gives me a Daybell vibes. Yeah, totally. Oh my God. Except for Dr. Brad Miller is not a cult leader. Yeah. He's just a doctor. (laughs) A physician. For pregos. So Melanie and Bill moved to a rented townhouse. But Bill started really looking at homes and wanted to buy a house before he turned 40. Bill's ideal location actually was Virginia Beach, but Melanie did not want to move to Virginia Beach. So they ended up putting a big deposit down on a very nice house in New Jersey. And then on April 28th, 2004, they were due to close on the house. And Melanie is in constant contact with Brad, who is telling her not to close on the house. Because at this point, he sees a future with Melanie and didn't want it to complicate things. Yeah. Like, don't do a big life decision. Yeah, don't. When you're not Buy a house with a husband that you might leave. Yeah. But Melanie and Bill closed on the house. And after the closing, they went back home to the townhouse. Bill called his friend John Rice. And according to John, Bill sounded, like, really enthusiastic and happy about the closing. He was, like, thrilled. Melanie talked to Brad and told him, don't worry. Bill has had some red wine and he's asleep on the couch. In the morning, I'm going to sort this all out and I'm going to tell him I want a divorce. After you buy a house. After you buy a house. Yeah. Nice job. So Melanie and Bill woke up the next morning very early, like at three or four in the morning. What? I don't know why. And immediately started into an argument. Wow. Now, I want to preface this by saying what I'm about to tell you is... Melanie's version of the story. Mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind. This is one person's version of the story. Yeah. Okay. So they woke up at like three or four in the morning, started arguing. Bill said that he had settled by buying the house. And Melanie was confused. What did he mean he settled for the house? It was a half a million dollar house. It was very nice. He said it wasn't what he wanted. And he really wanted a house in Virginia for cheaper, but that she refused to let him do that. 
and so it turned into a very heated argument. Things became more physical. He apparently shoved a dryer sheet into her mouth. (laughs) And this is really weird, because apparently he had a thing against dryer sheets. What? He said that she was too lazy to pour the fabric softener liquid in, and that this was the type of mother she was, leaving a dryer sheet in the clothes for the baby to possibly choke on. This is just like... Such a classic married couple thing to gripe about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. I'm kind of with Bill. I don't really love dryer sheets that much. Oh, man. I'm your dryer. Sh- your team dryer sheet. I'm team dryer sheet. Not that I like throwing them away, but they do make it smell good. But yeah, it kind of has a residue. I'm going to be honest with you. I've never used liquid fabric softener. So I don't, I don't even either. I just dry my clothes and sometimes oh. I just hang them dry. Actually, Brent does not like dryer sheets either. He doesn't like to touch them because they feel weird. Well, I feel like they leave kind of like a waxy residue on your clothes. I don't know. I like <laughs> You like a waxy residue? <laughs> I like a little waxy residue on my clothes. I guess it's the softness. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how it works. But <laughs> I don't know if I'd want one in my mouth. I certainly wouldn't want one in my mouth, no. So... Before Melanie knows it, she's up against the wall and the dryer sheet is being shoved down in, you know, in her throat. Um, then Bill smacked her across the face with an open hand. Melanie looked down and her two-year-old had seen the whole thing. Oh, no. So Melanie grabbed her kid and ran to the bathroom to shut the door and get away from him temporarily. And Bill just said that he was leaving and he wasn't coming back and that Melanie could tell their children why they didn't have a father. Oh, man. Yeah. Bill packed bags, making trips up and down the stairs, berating Melanie every time he passed the bathroom. The last thing Melanie remembers saying to him was just stop. Melanie says at this point he had driven off and she assumed that he was in Atlantic City because that's where he always went to gamble. You know, he had a history, as I said earlier, of going to Atlantic City and not being in touch for a few days. This time was different, though. Weeks went by and Bill did not show up at home. During this time, Melanie had retained a divorce lawyer after the incident. Mm-hmm. And she says that she, this is a little more insight into why she did not file a missing persons report. She says that her lawyer told her not to. Oh. And according to Melanie, she did not even try to call Bill because in the past when they would argue and he left, she would call him and they would just get back into a fight. She said this time she was done. Yeah. I I get that. Yeah, me too. A business associate of Melanie's that was an attorney also advised Melanie to get a restraining order. So on April 30th, 2004, Melanie had to give a statement to a judge regarding the incident in order to file a restraining order. And as a part of the questioning, the judge asks if they have any firearms. And Melanie says, not to my knowledge. So a month goes by between... The time that Bill leaves and Sue Rice identifies Bill McGuire after seeing the sketch on TV. When police told Melanie about her husband's death, it was interesting. She never asked how he was murdered. Oh, what? That's not okay. I think that would be the first thing I would ask. Uh, Yeah. How? What happened? Yeah, what happened? What happened? Yeah, obviously. And she didn't ask that. What did she do? She says that she just burst into tears and that was it. I guess she was like, thanks. (laughs) No, I don't know. Oh my God. I don't know. 
That's all the detail I have mm. into that scenario. So the Virginia police then want to speak to Melanie. So this is also interesting. So it's the victim's wife. They want to interview her. She brings her divorce attorney with her and another criminal attorney in that practice. Hmm. And one of the police actually conducting the interview later said that actually conducting an interview with the victim's wife with two attorneys present had never happened to him. Like this, this was totally unusual. Yeah. Usually there would be no lawyers. <laughs> so detectives say that she was nervous, shaking and making expressions like she was crying, but they said she never had a tear in her eye. Amber Heard style. Amber Heard style. You're <laughs> right. Yeah. Melanie was asked if they had any luggage sets or like matching luggage. And she said, no, they don't. The next day, though, Melanie like either called them back or something and told them that she remembered, she just remembered that they did own a matching set of luggage. And I guess she went back in because they showed her a picture of one of the luggage pieces that were found in the bay. And she identified it as belonging to them. She asked them where they had found Bill's vehicle. And detectives were like, we haven't found it yet. So she suggested that they look in Atlantic City, New Jersey. She informed the police about her husband's gambling problem. And according to Melanie, she thinks maybe Bill got involved with the wrong people, owed money, got into trouble, Mm. and was yeeted. (laughs) (laughs) So they told her how he died, like gunshots? Yeah, I think she knows at this point, yeah. Well, it would make sense if he left with luggage. But yeah, then I wonder why how, would he end up in his own luggage? I want to know. Right. I want to know how many pieces of luggage he took. Hmm. Or she says he took. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, who knows if any of it's true. I'm assuming it's not based on your drink's <laughs> name. <laughs> but um, just to play devil's advocate. Yeah. And truly, through this whole thing, there are two professors from, actually, I don't remember where they're from. They created a podcast called Direct Appeal, and it goes through the whole story. I actually have not listened to this podcast, but I saw this on, they were interviewed in ABC 2020, Mm -hmm. um, The Secret in the Suitcase, and they take Melanie's side. And they, I mean, they're are believable things the whole time mm-hmm. I was watching this. I was like, I maybe she didn't do it. Yeah. Maybe she didn't do it. Maybe she didn't do it. So anyway, well, based on what you've told me does seem like a reasonable. Yeah. Like it's not out Oof. of the realm of possibility that she didn't do it. I mean, he often ran off to. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to take a little break Let's refill. Goodbye. See you later. And we're back. We're back from the break. We got refills. And started talking about Gwen Shamblin and the Remnant Fellowship. Yes. Because I totally forgot to mention the HBO series has started back up. But we were watching a video with Dan Greider. I don't know if you guys remember, but he was where I got most of my information from. And apparently... He's going to be releasing the reason of their plane crash on May 29th on his YouTube channel. Yeah. He said the HBO series is 
in his words, going to leave you high and dry as yep. to why the plane crashed. So, so yeah, keep uh, an eye out for that. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, so back to our story. Yes, where were we? So Melanie had asked about where his car was. She suggested that they look in Atlantic City, mm-hmm. told him about his gambling problem, and then her theory is that maybe he got involved with the wrong people and got into trouble. Mm-hmm. So after that interview was conducted, the same evening, the police went to the McGuire's townhouse to have a look. The townhouse was empty. They had already moved out. They asked about Bill's possessions and his clothes, and they discovered that Melanie had already given all of her husband's belongings away to a friend's cousin. Oh, what? It had been a month, but still, that's weird, right? Yeah, couldn't you get in trouble, like, for doing that technically? Yeah, I think so, if... I mean, if Bill were still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. For sure. <laughs> the detectives tracked the friend's cousin down, and they discovered that most of Bill's stuff was actually still in black trash bags. <gasps> much like the ones that contained Bill McGuire's body parts. Oh, my God. By sight only, the bags looked identical. And I threw this in here. And don't forget, they found Bill's head wrapped in a hospital blanket, and Melanie was a nurse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. That's dumb. Stupid. Police start to look for Bill's car in Atlantic City, and lo and behold, they find it. The vehicle was then processed for evidence, and then the body was released to Melanie, and she had him cremated immediately. According to Sue Rice, the funeral lasted a total of 10 to 15 minutes at the most. Oh, no. Yeah. Sue talked to Melanie the evening after the funeral, and she basically was like, Bill deserved so much more. That was not enough, you know, to remember him. Like, you know. And Melanie said, well, I'm a single mom now, and I just need to get on with my life. And Sue's reply was, no, the next thing we need to do is figure out who did this to him. Yeah. And then Sue said, after she hung up, she turned to her husband, John, and said, John, she did it. Oh, my God. And they were friends. They were friends for a long time. Yeah. For a long time. Yeah. Holy shit. Did they have suspicions prior? I don't... Do you know? They... I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I think they must have had... There's no way they didn't have any suspicions because she never reported him missing. Yeah. I mean, I would be like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, seriously, you never reported him missing, and he's been gone for... A month? Yeah. I don't know how people weren't, like, knocking down their door trying to figure out where he was. I know. Like, it seems really weird that a month went by without any incident. And people were just cool with him not showing back up. I guess. weird. It is very strange. So, as we know, it was clear that Bill had been shot, and trying to find out if any of the people close to Bill had a gun was the top priority. The detectives actually don't find any record of Melanie buying a gun in New Jersey. And she, you know, had told a judge earlier in the month that she didn't know of any weapons in their house. So detectives decided to check Pennsylvania for any records because I guess the gun laws are a little more lax and there's a less waiting period. You could like essentially go buy a gun and walk out with a gun the same day. Mm -hmm. And when they checked Pennsylvania, they found something. Melanie had purchased a gun (gasps) at John's Gun and Tackle Shop in Easton, Pennsylvania. 
the owner of the store was interviewed in that 2020 episode and he was like, I remember the day she came in because not many women come into the shop. (laughs) (laughs) And then it stuck in his mind that when she filled out the forms, she had written that he was a nurse because he was like, I've never, he was a really old guy. He was like, I've never sold a gun to a nurse before. (laughs) (laughs) Melanie bought a Taurus 38 special and guess what? She bought wad cutter bullets. (laughs) which were the bullets that they found in Bill. The gun was purchased two days before Bill left after the argument. Oh. So Melanie says that she informed her attorneys about the purchase of the gun, and they told her that if the detectives ask not to lie, but don't mention it if you don't have to. Mm -hmm. Melanie says that they never asked about a gun. So she didn't say anything. They just asked if they had any weapons, right? That was at her restraining order hearing. Mm-hmm. So it was a judge. that This was completely separate from mm. her being questioned by the detectives. Okay. So they very well may have not asked about a gun or any weapons or anything. But Melanie says that she bought the gun because Bill asked her to buy the gun. Now, here's another thing. Melanie has a good explanation for this because Bill was a felon. From his driving convictions. Oh, wow. So he was not allowed legally to buy a gun. So it kind of made sense that he would ask Melanie to buy it for him if he wanted one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So according to Melanie, she thinks that if Bill was in some sort of trouble from his gambling, maybe that's why he was pushing for her to get it two days before he went missing. But she was already planning on leaving him. Like, why would you buy the man you're... Getting a divorce from a gun Why did you buy when he's a violent house with him, like when he's violent with you. Yeah, I know, right? Right. Why? Yeah, that's a little suspicious. Yeah. So over a forty-day period, police recorded over five hundred hours of her phone calls. A lot of the calls were very cryptic. She apparently would use the phrase, "quote being cut off at the knees" a lot, <gasps> which is just weird. Just weird because Bill was cut off the knees. In what context would you use that? So, oh, I'm trying to remember. The conversation was, she was talking about an attorney or something. And she was like, well, we just need an attorney that would, you know, like cut it off at the knees or something like that. Weird. I don't know what they were actually talking about, but yeah. And in a conversation with her dad, they were talking about shipping something. And he mentions that he didn't want to say any names. He was like, the guy that does the shipping. And she says, Alex. And he was like, well, I didn't want to say any names. Do you know what I mean? And she Mm. quickly was like, yep. What? Yeah. Just weird. So also through wiretapping her phones, police discovered the relationship that she was having with Dr. Brad Miller. And this provides police with a possible motive. And Dr. Miller Mm -hmm. becomes a suspect. Okay. So one night when Dr. Oh Miller, <laughs> so then his wife probably finds out everything. Oh my God. I bet their whole world was like destroyed. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So one night when Dr. Miller was leaving work, he was going to his car and a detective came out <gasps> from nowhere to confront Ooh. him. I know. Isn't that creepy? Dr. Miller was adamant that he had nothing to do with any crime and he didn't know anything about the situation. And so the police kind of, they were just like, we'll prove it. So they asked him to wear a wire for them. And he agrees to wear the wire. Dr. Miller tries in conversations with her to, like, 
please spill any secrets about herself that he may not know because he's really standing by her through this. And every time she's like, there's no secrets. I don't know what you're talking about. There's no secrets. She doesn't crack at all. Mm. In the intercepted phone calls, another friend she was speaking to was Jim Finn. Melanie met Jim in nursing school, and Jim admittedly had a crush on Melanie. Once she left nursing school, she didn't actually talk to him for a long time until February 2004, when she suddenly got in touch with him. So that was the same year. This all happened in 2004. Mm -hmm. She suddenly got in touch with him again because she needed something, and she knew that Jim was a lover of guns. And she, in the 2020 episode, somebody said that Jim was kind of somebody that she could manipulate because he had a crush on her and still mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, yeah. puppy dogged around behind her. So police also approached Jim because they had found before Bill disappeared in February, Melanie had been talking to him about obtaining a gun. And according to Jim, she had said, hey, I need to talk to you. There's something you know, weird going on with Bill. He's acting really weird. And Jim suggests at that time for Melanie to get a gun so she can defend herself. Mm. So police approach Jim and they ask him if they can record his conversations with Melanie. And he agrees. And once they hear all these phone calls, they're satisfied that Jim knew nothing about the murder. They're obviously trying to feel out whether they had any more, you know, suspects or whatever. So in one of the recorded conversations with Jim... So she had told Jim previously that it's because Bill was acting weird that she wanted a gun. Mm -hmm. This time, she says, the actual reason I wanted to get a gun is because Bill wanted one. And not only did Bill want a gun, I already bought one for him. And hmm. Jim is surprised. Like, you know, he, he didn't know she had already gotten one. And he asks her if there's anything else she's not telling him. And she says, like what? Like I killed my husband? Jim says, did you? Melanie replies, no. And then she adds, uh, but thanks for asking. <laughs> oh, sassy. <laughs> Jesus. I thought that was funny. <laughs> thanks for asking. My mom says that all the time. Uh, thanks for asking. Okay. Passive aggressive. Yeah. Shot it. <laughs> <laughs> triggering to me. Happy Mother's Day, Denise. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. So investigators start looking at Melanie's Easy Pass records. If you don't know what an Easy Pass is, it's a little, like, transponder that you can get that allows you to pay tolls electronically on toll roads. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you can just, like, drive through instead of having to stop. Right. So investigators noticed that on April 30th, two days after Bill leaves, she took a trip to Atlantic City. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. In his car? Um, no, it was in her car. Oh. It was her easy pass, yeah. According to Melanie, she was angry at him, and she decided, this is Melanie's version here. We, we go back and forth between Melanie and the other version. Mm -hmm. Melanie was angry at him, and she decided she was going to go to Atlantic City and look for his car. She says she drove around for a while, and then eventually located his car. She says that she spotted it from the highway. <laughs> okay. Wow eagle eyes over here yeah and she decides she's gonna move his car just to fuck with him so she says that she drove it and parked it at the flamingo hotel that is not wait that is weird just like who does that you know what it reminds me of 
What? <laughs> my old roommate, and I know you know who I'm talking uh-huh. about, would just do stuff to fuck with people like that that she was mad at. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Like, I mean, I, I know she was crazy, but. Yeah. I remember we would go and, like, throw, like, I did this shit with her. <gasps> oh, yeah. Go and, like, throw shit at people's houses and, like. <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> her ex-boyfriend, Joey, or whatever. Yes. Was that his name? Yes. I think so. Can we just mention some other things that happened with this roommate? Buddy, we've got some stories to tell you. Melanie can wait. Yeah, let's <laughs> p- take a pause on Melanie and <laughs> let's talk about... Oh, why did you say... We'll beep it out. We'll beep it out. I've, I have a beep noise now. Let's talk about your ex-roommate who was our friend. <laughs> One time... <laughs> Okay, so this was like maybe early 2000s, I think. Like Yeah, it's got to be 2006, like 2006. Yeah. 2007-ish. Uh, you know, we all had our Casio digital cameras mm-hmm. that we would take out for the night. <laughs> yeah, like the point and click, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Power shoot. We didn't thing. have fancy smartphones at that time. We had flip phones, I think. Yes. We had flip phones. We did have flip phones or I had slide a slider. phones. Yeah, mm. we had the same phone for a while. Sony and you dropped it in orange juice <laughs> <laughs> that also contained vodka. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so uh, this friend asked if she could borrow my camera because she wanted to take pictures for her grandmother, which I already knew was a lie. <laughs> I was just like, okay. I was going to say her name again. Okay, like why? Yeah, you can just borrow the camera. You don't have to tell me what it's for. Like whatever. Yeah. I figured she just wanted to, like, take pictures, whatever. So she returns it to me, and I'm, like, hanging out with her and Mallory at their apartment. And I lived in the same complex, so I, like, walked back to my apartment, and I was going to upload the photos we took that night. Yeah. And just so you guys know, if you delete photos off of a camera, it still saves it onto the actual physical camera. Yeah, I never knew that. Because things uploaded onto my computer Things. Things. that were not pictures that we took that night. They Very were not safe for work pictures. There were videos. Oh, I didn't realize there were videos. Well, yeah, I remember? remember. Oh my. Oh yes, there were. I've, it's been so long, you guys. Yes. So there was a video and it was of her and she was just like naked and she was talking to the camera and she was just like (laughs) so the first guy I ever was with his name was Brett and like remember yes that's (laughs) and uh, she was like going through all these guys that she slept with and at the same time she's like touching herself and like Mm, putting the camera into her vagina basically oh it's so bad it's so bad and it's so bad. What Ashley, when she discovered this, immediately called me and was like, get over here. <laughs> yeah, get over here right now. You, you're not going to believe this. Yeah. And we just like, our mouths were. I couldn't. On the floor. I believe it. What else did she do? She borrowed my iPod and then sold it to somebody. Oh, yeah. On Craigslist. Very nice. And before she did it, she made the person who was going to buy it a playlist to enjoy. I remember she was yes. doing it. And I thought you... I thought you thought it was okay. No, I never. But apparently. I, she borrowed it. She borrowed it. it. And my dad gave that to me. <laughs> That's. That was, it was fucked up. There's many other stories. We don't have to go into all of it, but. But I guess the reason it came up was, yeah, she had an ex-boyfriend and she would, she always was retaliating against people. I remember yes. something with her dad. 
I do feel bad because her parents were kind of garbage. Yeah. But she did something with, like, coins. I forget what it was. Oh, I don't remember I don't that. Remember. She, she always was doing, like, these really retaliate Yeah, she would just get revenge all the time. Yeah. Just constant revenge. And we are just like, let's distance ourselves. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm comfortable with this. But the, I was too shy and, like, impressionable to say anything. Oh, she would put like, us as references on her resume oh, for fake jobs that I, she never had. Yes. And they would call us while we were in the middle of dinner or something. And She was one of those serial job hoppers yeah. where she would have a job for a week and then leave. And that's why she needed us to be references. A pathological liar. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. Hope she doesn't listen to this. Well, I don't care. <laughs> that That's what happened. Yeah, it's uh, shitty. So anyway. <laughs> so back to Melanie's revenge. <laughs> yeah, moving his car. Yeah. So the surveillance cameras from the Flamingo Hotel show Bill's car being pulled into the parking space. But because of the darkness and the glare of the other background lights, they couldn't see who the driver was. Another inexplicable road trip happened. Five days after Bill went missing, Melanie drove to Delaware. She had told Dr. Miller that in the early morning hours of May 4th, she was actually furniture shopping in Delaware. So investigators actually think that this furniture shopping trip was really just a ruse. That same road that she took would have taken her to the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel. So prosecutors believe that this is when Melanie would have taken the suitcases with Bill's remains and dumped them into the Chesapeake Bay. And guess what? The very next day after she took that trip was when the first suitcase turned up. Oh, my God. And if you remember, the first suitcase contained the legs, and they didn't smell yet. So they were, quote-unquote, fresh. Oh, my God. Yeah. (gasps) Melanie. she had to. She had to cut him up. Yeah. Where? Like in their new house with their kids there? Prosecutors think it was at the townhouse after they moved out. Oh my God. Melanie, of course, this entire time denies that she would have had the time to drive the whole way to Chesapeake Bay and back. Her family, by the way, is also very supportive of her. Her mom and her stepdad, they're like, there's no way she would have done something like this. And all of these instances of circumstantial evidence, she has a an explanation for Mm -hmm. and it's very like we were talking about earlier it's like okay well that could be plausible Mm -hmm. that's you know possible but the fact remains that it is a lot of coincidences that she is explaining away and unfortunately coincidences don't always make for the best evidence right but police were still looking for physical evidence that would link melanie to bill's murder the task force, like I said, was convinced that Bill was murdered in their townhome in Woodbridge. They did everything you can think of to search that townhouse forensically a number of times, and nothing ever came up. No forensic evidence whatsoever. Despite the lack of physical evidence, investigators believe the circumstantial evidence is enough. So on June 2nd, 2005, over a year after the suitcases were found, authorities surveilled Melanie dropping her kids off at school They waited till her kids were dropped off, and before Melanie was off the curb, they arrested her. Oh my gosh. She was immediately booked into the Middlesex County Adult Correctional Center on first-degree murder charges. 
But somehow she made her $750,000 bail. Whoa. Yeah. Which in today's money is $1.04 million. Whoa. Yeah. Did she sell the house? Oh, I just ruled. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Why? How did she get that money? I don't know. I really don't know. Did she get his life insurance or something? Mm. She P.S. Might have. Her mugshot looks like it came from a 90s crime show. It does. It looks very like professional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does. It looks like an actor. It's probably the most flattering mugshot I've ever seen. Yeah, it really is. I thought that too when I saw that. I was like, oh my God. This is actually a good picture. I know. I wish my passport picture looked like that. (laughs) Me too. My passport picture is garbage. Yep, me too. So after being released on bail, Melanie faced additional charges on October 11th, 2005. A four-count indictment came down from a state grand jury. Her bail was raised to $2.1 million then, which is $2.9 million today. That's pretty hefty. It's big. But she again made bail no way yeah (laughs) what i think i i don't know i don't know because i couldn't find well i didn't look that hard but how dare you maybe she did get life insurance i should have looked that up why am i so dumb anyway if anyone knows hey hit us up let us know i could probably just like stop and google it right now but i'm not going to that's so much money i know but even if she did have the life insurance that's a lot I know, because life insurance policies aren't usually like multiple millions of dollars, right? We're going to um, do some research live, <laughs> live and with you on the podcast. It's literally nowhere. I don't, I can't find it. Yeah. Okay. That was a failure. I don't know. I don't know if Melanie got life insurance payout. Ugh. Anyway, so Melanie was charged with two counts of hindering apprehension for allegedly writing letters to the police aimed at getting them off her trail. (laughs) What? Yeah. Writing letters? Yeah. I didn't have any other details about that, but apparently she wrote letters to the police to try to deter them. She again pleaded not guilty and then was released after posting this time a $10,000 bail. Still, where is she getting all this money? Two years and 10 months after the murder, on March 5th, 2007... Melanie's trial commences in Middlesex County. The trial was televised and media was swarming. Melanie seemed very relaxed. Some hold the opinion that she was happy to be the center of attention. She would joke around at her own trial and was upbeat. But friends of Melanie say that there was nothing that she could do that would not be criticized. So like if she appeared stoic, then she would be portrayed as like mean and she did it and whatever in the media. So Melanie's defense was that there was a clear lack of evidence. Melanie later says in an interview that she does things all the way. And if she did do this murder, she would not have used blankets that could be traced back to her, her own luggage. And she says, quote, I don't get to be an evil genius and an idiot at the same time. Hmm. Which I mean, fair. Mm -hmm. But why is all this stuff linking back to you, babe? (laughs) The defense played up Bill's gambling addiction and, of course, you know, said that maybe he owed thousands of dollars and gotten into trouble and met the wrong people, blah, blah, blah. So as prosecutors start laying out what they believe Melanie did to Bill, it all actually started with something they found in Bill's car. So I kind of left this hanging earlier. Hmm. When investigators searched Bill's car, 
they found a bottle of chloral hydrate and a syringe. Chloral hydrate is a sedative that is used in the short-term treatment of insomnia and to induce sleep before surgery. Okay. This was in Bill's car. (laughs) That's not normal. Nope. Prosecutors revealed that the chloral hydrate was dispensed the morning that Bill disappeared. Someone had dropped off the prescription at the Walgreens pharmacy that was just down the road from where Melanie's kids went to preschool. They also found that the prescription pad was that of Dr. Brad Miller. So maybe she stole it or... Right. That's what they're thinking is that she had access to it. But wait, you can get a prescription for injectable sleep aid? (laughs) I think it's a um, mouth syringe. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. That was a little unclear. I think it is because it looks like one of those little cough syrup bottles. Okay. You know, that you get when you are sick or whatever? Yeah. The picture she has up, it looks like needles. That's true. Those look like Abby's dog's, my sister's dog's diabetic syringes. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, their angle is that Melanie had access to the prescription pad and used it to obtain the chloral hydrate. And Dr. Miller even looked at the signature and he said it was not his signature and that it actually appeared to be Melanie McGuire's handwriting. Oh, man. Yeah. So prosecutors also looked at the McGuire's home computer. The search revealed internet searches for how to purchase guns illegally, (laughs) how to commit murder, what, and undetectable poisons. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. The defense's argument was, it's hard to tell who's searching these things. Bill and Melanie both used that computer. Mm Mm-hmm. Prosecutors also found something else in Bill McGuire's car. They located several pieces of small flesh. Oh. These pieces of flesh are an artifact of a body being dismembered. (gasps) Oh, no. In the trial, the phrase that they used was, quote, human sawdust. Oh, ew. Isn't that horrible? And it's chunky sawdust. It is chunky. Human sawdust apparently is not a term that existed before this case. (laughs) I've never heard that term in my life. Me neither. And then DNA results indicated that the flesh belonged to Bill McGuire. And it was in his car? It was in his car. It's a few pieces of like microscopic skin cells. Actually very small. I know the photo looks big, but. Mm, Okay. It's skin cells from deeper than like the skin that we passively shed. Mm Mm-hmm. So I guess if you're imagining cutting into somebody, those pieces are released when you're like sawing through. Oh my God. And then the, you know, the theory that the prosecution had here is that maybe Melanie forgot to wipe the bottom of her shoes or somehow tracked these bits into the car because there weren't like a lot of them. Yeah. It was just a little bit, but they, I don't know how they found them. I honestly, since they're so small. There were 81 witnesses in seven weeks, but Dr. Miller was the most anticipated witness. March 21st, 2007, Dr. Miller was called to witness. He testified that he did have a relationship with Melanie and that it was toward the end of her second pregnancy and that before she went on maternity leave, they had oral sex in his office. Before she went for maternity leave? Before she went for maternity leave. Ew. Yeah. So prosecutors looked very closely at Dr. Miller. 
but there was no evidence of him being connected to the crime. Prosecutors wanted the jury to hear the recorded calls so that maybe they could hear that her relationship with Dr. Miller was the motive for a murder. But this is really interesting because it actually seems like in the calls, Melanie is confused when Dr. Miller talks about future plans with her in the recordings. Confused. She says in one of the calls that she doesn't understand why he's pushing this like future now when he's always been the one to stress that they needed to wait. So the defense was actually able to score some points with these recordings, saying that detectives may have prompted Dr. Miller to start talking about future plans with Melanie to push the narrative of the Mm -hmm. motive. At the time of the recordings, Dr. Miller and Melanie were still having an intimate relationship, and Melanie did not know she was being recorded. Obviously, he had not told her that she was being recorded, and... Just as a side note, she felt extremely betrayed. (laughs) I guess I would, too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So, but there was still a question about a possible accomplice. So, if Melanie did it, in order for Melanie to have left Bill's car in Atlantic City, she would have had to have somebody drive up there with her. Yeah. So, they're still thinking that there's somebody else that helped her. And Mm. although he was never charged, investigators took a very close look at Melanie's stepfather, Michael Caparero. Michael says that they just needed somebody to blame, so they picked him. But no accomplice has been identified to this day, so we don't know. Why did they pick him? Like, was there any sort of evidence or... Well, I'm sure there was. I just don't know. I don't know what it was. Mm -hmm. They had to have some reason, obviously, to hone in on him but he's one of the people that's been very supportive of her the entire time like yeah april 17th 2007 closing arguments were heard the jury went into deliberation and they deliberated for 13 hours and 57 minutes melanie was found guilty of first degree murder she was also convicted of the lesser charges of perjury desecration of human remains and possession of a weapon for an unlawful purpose However, Melanie was acquitted. These are things that I didn't know about either until looking at the freaking Wikipedia page. Apparently, she had two counts of hindering apprehension as well as tampering with evidence. Well, that one's obvious, but possession of Xanax without a prescription, I guess she, Mm. they found. (laughs) Okay. Um, But she was acquitted of those. So shortly after her conviction, but before her sentencing, Melanie appealed for a new trial on the basis of the story of a jailhouse informant that her husband was deeply in debt and may have been killed by Atlantic City mobsters. However, prosecutors established that the informant was, quote, entirely incredible and routinely and habitually fabricate stories. Oh, wow. (laughs) So they were like, um, no, I don't think so. So with the story debunked, the request for a new trial was withdrawn. Mm -hmm. And then on July 19th, 2007, her sentencing was held. And the court found that the maximum sentence should be imposed. Life in prison plus five years. So during her arraignment on murder charges, Melanie's case was dubbed the suitcase murder by various media outlets. Author John Glatt wrote a book about the case mm-hmm. entitled To Have and to Kill. He was interviewed in ABC 2020, The Secret in the Suitcase. And the case has been profiled on television outlets, you know, like 
snapped on the oxygen network dateline nbc 48 hours mystery cbs and the investigators on true tv forensic files 2 which i didn't even know there was a forensic files 2 what forensic files 2 yes apparently forensic files 2 but they're all over that human sawdust yeah and you know other true crime television shows but they're also apparently filming a Lifetime movie in Atlanta right now that yes. will be called The Suitcase Killer, The Melanie McGuire Story. Yep. And they're filming it right next to our house. Yeah. So look look out for that on Lifetime. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I wonder what happened to our children. I'm sure they're with her family. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Hmm. So Melanie's conviction was affirmed by an appeals court on March 16th, 2011. She must serve more than 63 years before she is eligible for parole. And on September 20th, 2011, the New Jersey Supreme Court declined to hear her further appeal. On April 29th, 2014, Melanie filed a motion for post-conviction relief alleging ineffective assistance of counsel and newly discovered evidence. On September 25th, 2014, Melanie appeared in court with her new attorney, Louis DeJulio. Nope. Lois DeJulio. (laughs) (laughs) A public defender. To try to get a hearing that could overturn her 2007 murder conviction on the grounds that her previous legal representation was inadequate or ineffective. The request was subsequently denied. And that's all I got for you. Wow. Uh, so what do you think? Do you think she did it or no? So that's the thing I was going to say. I, I'm i not 100% convinced. There's still that tinge of doubt. Yeah, I, um, yeah I'm not 100% convinced. Usually, like, I feel like I'm 100% like... The only things that make me think that, yes, she did do it was she bought the same type of bullets. Yeah, but he could have had the gun. I don't know. I mean, I'm not See, on her that's side. The thing. They made a really good, if, if she did do it, they created a very good story. Yeah. A very good story. Because yes, everything can be explained away by Bill having the gun. Bill took the luggage. Bill, you know. Bill took the luggage, the gun. Maybe something happened in his hotel room. Did they find any evidence in the townhouse? Did you say? No, they, they turned it over and there was nothing. Like they, multiple times they searched it and there was nothing. The only things they found were the chloral hydrate, which that seems stupid to leave in your car, too. I don't want to, like, defend a convicted murderer or anything, but, like, think about this. What if Bill, you know, went to Atlantic City, which is known for, you know, lots of sex workers? What if Mm -hmm. he was, like, gambling and staying in a hotel with his luggage that he brought? He brings his gun and, like... Maybe there was like a sex worker that came and like it was a plan to rob him or something. And I don't know. Like anything could have happened. Anything could have happened. Because there's such a lack of physical evidence. They don't have any, you know, I mean, the only physical evidence they have and it can be explained away is the bullets, the hospital blanket, the luggage. But they have a story for all that. Yeah. But there's that thing. The sedative. The sedative. That one. Okay. Melanie having access to the prescription pad and Mm -hmm. Brad Miller saying that it looked like her handwriting. That's pretty convincing. Yeah. Yeah, that is. But, but but what did she do with it? Did she like 
she would have had to sedate, sedate him, him and then shot him. him. Yeah, I guess. I know. Like, why do you need to sedate him and then shoot him? Because if you shoot him, he's going to be. He's going to be sedated. sedated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Truly. Like, when I go through it, I switch. I'm like, okay, Melanie's story seems plausible here. And then I'm like, oh, Melanie definitely did it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what she's saying makes sense. <laughs> Does she still maintain her innocence? Absolutely. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's nuts. I know. I can't imagine. I know just because you can't imagine something that doesn't mean anything. But like yeah. her dismembering him like that. like I know. She was a very small person. Yeah, she's very small. She has kids. Like, who's watching the kids? Like, where were the kids when you're dismembering your husband in the townhouse? Where would she have done and it? And when you're going back and forth to, New, like, uh, Atlantic City and then Chesapeake Bay. Yeah. I that, too. Well, I don't know. That was just a theory, though, that the prosecution had that that road would have taken her to the Chesapeake Bay but then the suitcase turned up a day after. So. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know, man. Well, she probably did do it. But it's still. It's kind of like, what is that? Occam's razor or whatever. Yeah. It's like whatever the most likely thing is, is true. Yeah. But, I mean, if she did do it, they have created a very good narrative. Mm-hmm. Wow. So when does that movie come out? I wish. It wasn't a Lifetime movie, and it was something like where they were going to give us more freaking answers. I know, but unfortunately, she's run out of appeals. She's, like, done, you know? I just want to know. Comes out in June. Okay. So my sources, obviously, ABC 2020, Secret in the Suitcase, Wikipedia, and NJ.com. Yeah, so when we post our social media, you guys should comment and tell us if you think Melanie did it or not. Yeah, give us your thoughts. Yeah, so if you have enjoyed this episode and have enjoyed our podcast, as always, please review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think. If you have critical feedback, I'd ask that you not (laughs) review us and maybe just like Message us. Message us because we do want to improve the podcast. Yes. And if we have said anything that is problematic, we do want to know. But maybe you, you need to get a life now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe do it in a more tactful way. Thanks. Um, yes. So anyway, we're always open to improve and we want your thoughts. And also thank you to everyone who has said nice things like strangers were just I'm oh always gosh. shocked when we get some something from a stranger. And I we're know, like, me too. And we've been having a few more followers, like random followers lately mm-hmm. too, which is crazy. And we're following you guys back. We don't want to be creepy, but we also just want to be friends, you know? So We just want sue me. friends. <laughs> so sue me. <laughs> um, what else? Well, next week it's your turn. Yeah, next week's my turn. I know what I'm doing. You always know what you're doing, and I never know what I'm doing when it's my next turn. <laughs> we have very different personality types. Yes. But I know what I'm doing because it was a listener-suggested oh, yes. Yes. story. By Tuesday Boss. Yeah, so if you're listening, get ready. We're doing it, baby. We're doing it. So you guys suggest stuff because we'll take your suggestions to heart. For sure, <laughs> for sure. 
Okay, guys. Hope you're having a great week. Hit us up. Like, comment, su- subscribe to our podcast. Um, love you so much. Love you, babies. Besos. Bye-bye. Besos and sonisas. Bye-bye.